Welcome to Open Plaza, created by the Hispanic Theological Initiative. In this episode, HTI's Executive Director, Reverend Joanne Rodriguez, talks to Dr. Doris Garcia Rivera about the women who inspire her, the experiences that shaped her, and her becoming the first woman to preside over the Evangelical Seminary of Puerto Rico. For more information about today's episode, visit htiopenplaza.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Open Plaza. This is Joanne Rodriguez, the Executive Director of the Hispanic Theological Initiative. Hi, Doris. Hello, how are you? I'm well, and you? I'm very good, thanks God. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Open Plaza. And I am super excited to talk to you about being the first and only Latina president of a seminary in Puerto Rico. Actually, you're the first and only Latina president in anywhere in the United States. But before we dive into the conversation, I'd love for you to tell us who you are and what you do in more detail. Thank you, Joanne. Uh, I'm Doris Garcia Rivera. I'm a Puerto Rican woman, and I am actually the interim director of the Baptist Peace Fellowship of, of North America, uh, Bautistas por la Paz. I am a ordained Baptist with ABC American Baptist Churches in, in Puerto Rico, and I have um, a doctoral degree from the in, Boston University, from Boston University uh, Theological School in Old Testament and Sociology, and a microbiology degree, a master in microbiology from the medical school in Puerto Rico. That will be kind of the two, you know, more, more important ones. But um, I'm a fairly um, simple woman that looks forward uh, to serve and to respond to a vocation. Wonderful. Well, we're definitely grateful for that response, um, especially when um, you were called to be the president of the Seminario Evangelico de Puerto Rico. And um, immediately after that, Hurricane Maria hit. And so you not only are the first Latina president, but during a very horrific time in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So I'd like for you to, to share with us, you know, what was that like? Like just beginning and then such a traumatic experience for this, for the whole island, for that matter. Oh, well, that, that was a, a particular difficult time for our, our island and our people. Hurricane Maria raised down our nation. Uh, it took over all the communications. It took over the power system. It took over the transportation, all the, the streets, all the um, traveling uh, roads and, and houses, the flooding. It was horrible. Every year, uh, we Puerto Ricans face um, a climate uh, crisis with hurricanes and storms, but this was uh, unheard of, uh, at least in our generation. Mm -hmm. So to deal with this crisis, uh, it took a lot of courage, but also a lot of organizing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have to tell you the the day after the hurricane, I, I jumped into my car and I went to the seminary. And I was, I felt like I was kind of an Indiana Jones, you know, just <laughs> moving my car over. <laughs> yeah, I did that. I moved my car. It, it's a it's a it's a rough four, thank God. So I was, you know, over over trees that went that went down, mm -hmm. uh, flooded areas, and and managing, you know, all the whole debris that was in the road to to see the seminary because I was very concerned. Mm -hmm. Though that day I couldn't enter, all the entrances were blocked. And I fear, and they were, it, it was still very um, wet. So, so there was nobody around uh, from the seminary. So I feared that I could trip and fall 
So, so I went back, but I had a, a vision of what was going on and I cried. I cried because of the devastation. Mm. So next day I went in, I was trying to connect with people, but we have no connection. We have no, no, no uh, phones. We have all the towers were knocked down. So uh, thankfully the next day that, that I went back to the seminary, uh, the Dean was there also. And, and he helped me out, you know, just hopping over all the, the, the trees uh, and getting around the debris to get to the main building and, and try to, to assess at least the first um, um, a recognition of the damages so that we can start organizing and planning mm. on the one hand and on the other hand to start figuring out who, who we needed to 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 bring up the seminary again and and one thing that how can i tell you gave me much hope mm -hmm. was the cross over this over the chapel mm. the McAllister chapel even though you know the the windows the glasses were broken and and it was full of debris inside and major disaster there, but the cross was standing up. And, mm -hmm. and at that moment, it gave me hope. It gave me um, the assurance that we will be okay, that we will, we will pass through that crisis and move on. So, so that I took a picture on that day and that picture, um, was in in my in my desktop in, in my desk uh, uh, for for several months after Maria uh, just to remind me that the Lord really was in the midst of the chaos calling us to serve to continue uh, bringing hope to to open the path to renewal to restoration and that's part of the kingdom you know to bring hope and be there especially when we are needed the most. You know, it takes a lot of courage, Doris, to respond the way that you responded at that moment. Um, bravery and courage. Um, how did you, you know, how did you muster that? How did you get to that point? Like, to, to, to even like get in your car and, <laughs> and, and, and just go. No, knowing that the situation was so dire, you know, I just like, I really would love to hear a little bit more about that. How do I get to that? Well, I think that um, the different experiences before becoming a president of the seminary as a missionary in, in Costa Rica and in Mexico, especially as a missionary in rural areas with indigenous people, where I got to uh, jump into a, a truck and, and get into roads that were either flooded or just uh, blocked by landslide. But I knew that I needed to get to my companions because they were waiting for me, even if it takes me. Uh, uh, seven, eight hours, nine hours of, of traveling and going, you know, different paths in order to honor the commitment that, that we both made. So that's part of it. The second, that understanding that even in the midst of this situation, um, we really still have the, the, the grace of God and the mercy of God because I was alive, I was well, uh, a bit in shock because of everything when I saw that devastation and and uh, even with that um, I was grateful uh, to be able to to move on and 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 reach uh, to the seminary uh, because I understood that being well meant that I must move forward to be the leader that was needed at that at that time so, so, so my own realization, my own awareness that 
I was, my, my house wasn't flood. My house was at that point, the house that I was in uh, was okay. You know, we had some um, minor uh, uh, water inside the house, but, uh, but we were okay in that sense. So that meant that I was at the level that I could do, uh, that I could move, that I can um, uh, take over the, the role and the charge El cargo, como dicen lo, los hermanos indígenas, the charge, that uh, role that I was called as a leader to, to be, especially at that, at, at that moment. I'm a daring person. <laughs> I'm a daring person. And I have been since my childhood. Mm. And, I, and I didn't realize this till many years, you know, many, many years uh, uh, now when I am a mature woman um, that I really could not accept some things and I, I will I will just move on uh, for example my family had a, a situation when I was 12 years old uh, that we were evicted from our house mm. And, and I, my mom was at my grandmother's house and she was crying and she was explaining what happened. And I was just, you know, from the school and I had my uniform and I didn't think about twice. I just, you know, get out. They didn't notice that I went out. Mm -hmm. I, I jumped in a, in a public bus and I went to the, to the extreme of the, of the, of the road. Uh, a part of the road where, where we live. And, and I was walking to the house because in my mind, I said, I'm going to solve this. I'm going to do something. Mm -hmm. And I was 12 years old. And, and then a, a policeman uh, went, came in, in in a car and he asked me, hey, hey, are you okay? Do you need something? I said, yeah, I need you to take me there. You know, to my, to my, I'm going to my house. And because I have my, my uniform, he, I, I, he opened the door, I went in to the car, the police car, and he just dropped me um, at the, at the, uh, close to my house. And, 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 and I said, okay, thank you. And I just run in. So I guess he thought I, do the, I did a good, a good thing today. You know, I, I bring this little girl to her house. That's good. That's what good policemen do. Okay. And, and when I reached the house, I saw this huge bulky man taking everything out and throwing everything in, mm. in, into, you know, at, at the front of the house. And I start fighting them and I start punching them. And I start <laughs> bringing things inside the, inside the house. Uh, I, was, I was crying because mm. I knew, I knew what was going on, but I couldn't verbalize what was going on. And, and the neighbor took me in to their into her house, and until my mom and my, and my dad came in. Mm -hmm. So, so I didn't realize until later in my life that oh my god, why did I do that? You know, just move on my own and be independent and try to not to save the family, but to do something about the situation. Since my childhood, I had this uh, empuje, uh, this um, pull, this force, strength uh, to do something, especially in critical moments. Mm -hmm. So I guess that also kicked in during the crisis of the Hurricane Maria, mm -hmm. especially knowing what the seminary, the iconic, the, the iconic symbol of the seminary for the community and for the students, for the denominations that, that are part of, of that community of faith. Let's dive a little deeper into that because I kind of would like to know, did you have women in your life that you saw them um, do this similar type of um, um, courageous acts? you know, um, way spirited, spirited, sometimes they, they use the word spirited to, to okay. show, you know, something that's, that's uniquely, um, 
uniquely um, spirited or courageous or brave about the women either in the church, in your church life or in your home life that you would say that you saw an example of that or this was something more like you were, it's, it's innate in you? Well, I think my grandmother with whom I was, uh, whom raised me, who I was with her for many, many years, uh, she was a spirited woman in, in that sense. Uh, she was a widow from um, uh, very early in her, in her life, but she had uh, five children, one of them who died at birth. So four children, and she was, and she did everything that she could to, to bring those four children, um, raise them with values, with education, give them the possibilities of life. So my grandmother used to clean the, the clothes for uh, well-being, well, well, uh, wealthy families and, and iron the clothing for them, iron the clothes for them. And um, after that, she started working in a... a in the kitchen of a public school. And, and she did that until she retired. Uh, I could say that she was the main model for me because of her resilience, because of her organizing mind. I mean, she was taking care of her house uh, with these children when they grew up and I was with her, uh, they still were, close to her and coming, you know, to, to her house. So she always cooked for the people that was coming to her house and always a bit more, uh, just in case somebody just dropped by. So thinking, always servicing the others, but with the, with the plan in mind. And, and she was very small, and, but you, you cannot dare to defy her. She was a strong woman. Oh yeah, I can say that. So I think maybe that model, even though she didn't do anything like I did, uh, uh, the, the understanding of her example mm -hmm. as, as a matriarch, as, as the person who, who, who did everything possible to bring their children uh, to, to the best of the lives she could give them. Uh, I think that stayed with me. So I honor her and I recognize her strength and, and her commitment to life in so many ways, in so many ways. So I can think of her as that strong woman, spirited woman. I also have an aunt, Titi Juanin, and my grandmother's uh, name is uh, Monse, Monserrate. And my, my Titi Juanin, uh, my, my aunt, uh, was this type of woman that was kind of more independent. Mm -hmm. and, and she was a counselor of, of the public school system. But uh, I mean, she danced and she was so alive and, and the relationship between her and um, and her husband was uh, interesting. You know, they fought a lot, and but they tease each other a lot, and 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 she will not take a no, you know, from certain spaces. She will push forward when she wanted to help a student because she share with us some of the experiences as a counselor. And, and she was so mad sometimes at the system that blocked the, the, the potential for students. And she will go you know, there and she will fight for them. And she will struggle until she can put that student in, in the place that she thought was good for, for her or, or, for, or, or him. And, and, and she was like that. So I, I admire Titi Juanin uh, because it was different from other women in my family that were more subdued mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and more into the traditional role. Mm -hmm. 
uh, the the uh, of females, you know, in the house. But she was, you know, um, she was uh, a distance from that a lot. So so yeah, I can think of those two women in my in my life as a, a spirited woman, and I have this image, um, and from my two grandmothers, the from my mom's side and from my father's side, uh, we had this um, festivities of towns uh, that's called La Fiesta, ¿verdad? De Pueblo. And in Loisa, Loisa is an is a, uh, African-Caribbean uh, town. And my family comes from there, okay. uh, from, my, from my father's side and, and part of my, of my mother's side. And we always go to those festivities every year, every year to Loisa. And, and we will stay with our another aunt that, that was living there. And I had this, I think I was maybe eight years old, I, but I had this in my mind. We were just running around all the primos y primas, you know, nieces and, 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 and the children from the different families who were there. And I had this, I, I turned and I saw my grandmother from my mother's side, Abuela Monse, and my grandmother from my father's side, Abuela Juana, they were sitting down. Both of them were widow, widowers. Oh, wow. Okay? Both of them. And both of them lost their husbands to uh, drinking. Mm. All right. Both of them were sitting at a table mm -hmm. and both of them were smoking. Mm. My grandma, from my father's side has a cigar, a cigar, and my grandmother from my mother had my mother's side had an habano, a, a Cuban, you know, cigar. the big one. Uh-huh. A cigar. And both of them has shots of rum in front of them. Mm. And that image stuck in my head. I, I have the image. I if I could know how to draw or paint, I, I will do that. After many, many years uh, that I think about that, um, I think that that was an image that in my unconscious mind stuck there because that brought me strength in many, uh, many times that I needed some um, a strength to move forward. And, and these two women, independent with the words, they were uh, challenging the system in so many ways mm -hmm. by, by smoking, by, by they, both of them, they stay widowed mm -hmm. uh, through, the, through their lives, just, you know, one marriage. And they both bring out, you know, bring up their families. And, and what caught my attention is that they were drinking in a very public space mm -hmm. at a time where people will frown on that. Yes. So it sounds yeah. to me like you're like, um, you, you have a combination of very strong women in your life who believed in education, but mm -hmm. also were kind of not allowing themselves to be stereotyped into certain, um, uh, to be like very humble and very serving. These women did believe in, in, in these things, but they also had a mind and, 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 and a, a, a body that they used as they, so that's, that's different, right? In, in, in circles, um, in, in, in more religious circles. And yet you ended up very strong Baptist tradition you are not you you've been a leader in different positions and of a seminary so tell me a little bit about how do you how do you live out that fullness um, of of those experiences um, while also being in in spaces that can be a very stereotypical mm. one thing that i i'm at, that I have as a gift, in terms of my gift, I'm a very good listener and observer. And, and listening to others help me gauge the environment, the room 
where people are, are at. And, and I can figure out most of the time, I, I have missed this, but most of the time I can figure out motivations and intentions and having known this and then uh, being able to uh, affirm what my intuition told me, I have been able to still be true to myself, transparent and keep my values because that thing, I think that's where part of my strength um, is. Uh, what do I mean by that? For example, um, in terms of the transparencies and economy of, a, of, an, of an institution, uh, like a, a seminary, you need to be very, um, very careful with the, with the income, with donations, with gifts, and how are we expending the money? So I will be very um, um, detailed in asking the administrator and, and the finance uh, team uh, what was going on with X, Y, and Z. Uh, so, so that I can be truthful to the understanding that the, the seminary is a, a business of, of the kingdom of God. We are, we are training, we are accompanying processes for people who have been called to service in the community. And we need to be truthful in every detail of it. So I think the, the, the strength and that brought me some challenges uh, in the way things were, were done. Uh, traditionally, because I, I I kept pushing for understanding, for example, where the money goes, where the money come, and 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 trying to uh, be sure and ensure that that was done right. The other thing that I think that this um, model uh, of my of my of the women in my family came through is that commitment also to myself, to honoring myself as, as a, a value, as a person of value and worth. Uh, in, it, we still have in many of our seminaries a misogynistic uh, tradition and ways of working with women. I was the first woman president of this institution. So the tradition was for uh, seeing a man and at the at the front and and expecting the ways of a man expecting the ways of of, of a male there mm -hmm. and it was very interesting because uh, some people asked me to um become the mother of the seminary kind of mm -hmm. you know like I'm modeling as a mother. And I said, no, um, I have only, I have birthed only three children and mm -hmm. I'm the mother of only three children. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I thought that was not healthy. And I was one of many servants to that institution because I uh, perceive that that could be used against my leadership at some point. Right. Second, um, when I started, as I said, I was pretty sharp in, the, in terms of the economics, but I was also pushing for um, uh, transparency in assessments, you know, at, at different levels. And, and when I face some challenges that this is the way we do things, but that way of doing things um, was not responding to the, to an evaluation of, how do I say, quality? Say my quality control. My quality control was up here with very, it was higher than what they expected. And what was being done at the time, um, then I will I will push for it. I will push for it because I 
was certain that if we um, work with this, we can become better in our service to the students. So we can be better in our vocation. We can be better in our mission as an institution. So, so I will not back up, back down from it. And then I try to, to, to um, negotiate, negotiate at some point. So, so in that sense, what I wanna say is that uh, my values mm -hmm. are values that I got from my grandmothers and, and from my family. These values of transparency, of being true to yourself, of not letting other minimize you or take advantage of you. And, and I have so many anecdotes of this that we can spend hours. And, um, and um, to, to be, uh, to deal with integrity mm -hmm. in everything, in everything, in everything I do or say. And, and so I think that was part of, of my leadership. And, and now that you bring this, this question to me, I think that, was, that is also a, a, a way that I can, that I have been honoring my, my ancestors. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to you? Yes, it does. Um, and, and leadership, you know, with integrity is so much needed um, more and more each day as we see how the world and seminary. And I'm wondering, you know, you you we 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 began with talking about you being a president during a very horrific time in Puerto Rico, which was when Hurricane Maria hit, right? And I'm just wondering, like all of these values and 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 hopefulness that you brought to that position. I believe you had you know less than a year of presidency when Hurricane Maria hit, so you was you were very new in the position. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Tell, tell me, tell us a little bit more about, you know, what transpired, what did you, you know, how did you immediately react to that? Like you mentioned that you went and you were, so one of the things mm -hmm. you just mentioned was assessment, right? Mm -hmm. so, so you had to go to the seminary, you did an assessment, you started to seek help. What happened next? <laughs> yeah. And, um, I took the leadership in a very unilateral way. I understood that we cannot have, I'm a very team person. I, I work with teams. I'm a very team oriented person. I try to identify leaders that can accompany me you know, to move on and to um, reach out the goals that are set before us. Because I know as a leader that I, don't have all those skills and I don't need all those skills that I don't have all the knowledge and I don't need all the knowledge, but I do need the companions. Those companions that are perfect for the situation that I'm facing at that time. So, so one thing that I did was unilateral. I said, I'm going to lead this. That's it. No, I don't want anybody to, you know, give me, we should do this X, Y, Z. No, I'm going to do this. Now, what do I need? I pull in uh, people with experience in disaster and, and that helped me a lot. So we start planning. And one of the things I immediately knew the priority was to clean up, open the entrances and clean up so that we could gain access to the inside of the buildings so that we could give, we have people living at the seminary in the in the housing complex the in the building so we needed also to give those people access in and out the seminary and and in case of an emergency but also to to bring in the food the water that we need at that point and so so that planning process started with prioritizing what do we need first what do we need second and um the assessment of the of the of the building and the facilities and the library, you know, immediately the librarian, you know, go in there after we clean up the entrances, go in there and ask us, please assess the the how are the status of that library. 
And she started coming out with the books that were wet. Oh my God, we cried. And, wow. and what do we do? Well, we start putting all the books that, <laughs> under the sun <laughs> to try to, to, <laughs> to save as much as possible of those. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, immediately in my head, okay, we do have uh, seminaries. I'm part of APS. I am part of a whole community and ecology of, of institutions that, that, that I knew that they will say, yes, I will help you. And, and then I started communicating and, and extending invitation to different institutions right. in, in different areas, you know, for, for the library uh, to bring us, uh, uh, to give us the books that we lost, but also to start negotiating uh, um, relationship to serve the students. How do we do this in the midst of this chaotic uh, place? And, and, and time and situation, I learn about institutions that haven't got an idea until that moment that were related to the denominations that were part of the seminary. The Evangelical Seminary of Puerto Rico is an ecumenical seminary uh, with six denominations that are part of them, uh, of the seminary, but also these six denominations are related to their counterparts in the United States. Mm -hmm. I learned about the disaster relief institutions that are part of the Presbyterian, of the Baptist, of the Methodist. Right. So I immediately touched base with them and, and presented our case and asked them to, to be part of a hundreds of people that were interested in helping the seminary. So, so I'm good at building alliances and, and, and I have to be very grateful to God that there, these people had, these leaders from these, from these institutions had a heart to respond. And, and immediately we started receiving support and help. We had the support and help from Princeton. And one of the, of the first groups that came to the seminary was uh, from Princeton Theological Seminary to, to help us restore the iconic chapel, you know, that I talked to you about. Because sometimes in the midst of a disaster, the symbol, the symbolic area, it's so important to build hope to build um, a vision of we can do this together. So bringing the chapel, and that was the first, that the first area that was restored, the chapel. Right. Having that area restored, that really gave us an impulse, gave us, gave us energy, uh, gave us the hope that we were gonna be okay. So, so remember that image that I told you about the cross? Yes. It, it became a uh, it became a symbol of what we could do when we come together with good heart and in the midst of chaos and 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 disaster. Yes, uh, that really became a a hope. For our for our organization for our for the institution so so i have to tell you that i was amazed at the response uh, in so many ways you know groups of people that came as volunteer to rebuild to clean uh, we received monies and funding to rebuild we received the accompaniment people that came and groups that came and pray with us uh, we received food from from neighbors um, from from neighbor churches uh, that were starting to to be well and better in the midst of this, and they will send because of the connections. And uh, I have to tell you that was an amazing time of hope uh, in the midst of all the the situations. And um, and I have I am proud of of having been able to be there at that time to serve that community. Well, we're, we're extremely grateful that you were there to serve during this time. Um, and I gather from what you said, there were three things. One was assessment, alliances, and amazing time of hope. 
mm-hmm. um, that you were able to, even in the midst of such a horrific situation, pulling together these things, you were able to um, to bring the seminary to a place where the doors were open again. You were able to serve students um, and continue the work of the seminary. Uh, so that that's a big, that's a tall order to do in the middle of, of a hurricane. <laughs> Kudos to you, my dear. This is really amazing. Um, you're no longer there. You know, um, the, mm-hmm. the, the transition has, you know, you transition to doing the work that you're doing now. Um, what are some of the key things that you would say that you learned as the, as the first woman seminary leader? What are some of, what are three things that you would leave um, other women who would eventually, you know, we know women are called, right? We trust that mm-hmm. women are called. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes women don't get tapped in the shoulder and said, you know, you, you have skills, you, you can do this, we're gonna support you. Um, what would you say to, to women about your experience and what, what to do if, if that's something that in their heart or even if they don't think so, but somebody does finally tap mm-hmm. them, they mm-hmm. say, you know what, maybe I will consider this. Well, the first thing that I will say is that uh, we might never be prepared for it in advance of the call. Uh, to to respond to to an invitation to participate in the uh, as an, an executive of a religious organization within theological education, we might not we might not have everything, but we need to have several things. One is to know ourselves. You need to know yourself. You need to be able to trust your skills, what have been built into that moment, you know, from before. And, and that is related to planning. Sometimes we don't even think that we are good planners, but we are. Uh, even as, as we work as mothers and, and we have another work, we are planning uh, how do we serve the meals? How do we do this? How do we do the the uh, buying uh, the, the food and we organize, we organize so many things. We know how to plan, we know how to organize. So that would be one, to trust your skills and build upon that what you have. I will say that that's something that helped me out to me a lot. And um, I kept learning. I kept learning uh, through engaging with ATS, engaging with other accreditations, um, uh, institutions, to uh, reading a lot about management of, of that, uh, of the seminary, that religious institution. I think another um, will be to learn the complexities of, of the management of a theological institution. If you're in a, in a, in, faculty position, uh, sometimes within the seminaries, we are in silos. You know, faculty has its own role and work and staff and administration and administration has its own, you know, roles and work and the executive and the board, that they are this distinct spaces. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if there is a woman out there that is called and wants to to serve in an executive position, I will say to start understanding the other silos, the other areas of work. Mm-hmm. And, and one place to start will be to be part of committees, to be part of the board, to be part of, of initiatives that gives you a broader understanding of how that institution is working. I will say that the third thing that I will say is to to understand the framework. We learned this with with 
recently with, with Debbie. Uh, and and I, I was thinking about this all over in the framework, how that institution understands itself. Mm -hmm. it, it is it, what, what weighs more as a framework for that institution. Is it the structural? Is it the political? Is it the symbolic? Is it the human resources? Or a mix of two or three of them. Right. Understand that framework because that will give you a huge advantage in communicating, but also interpreting the different areas of that institution. So this is so strategically oriented, okay? Uh, if you want to really pursue something like this, I will really um, 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 encourage you to understand what this what the framework of that institution uh, is about. What has been the culture? Uh, what has been the those traditions that we hear and we accept? Analyze those traditions and see where that frame comes from, uh, because that will give you a a hint a, a insight of what's going on um, behind the scenes but also that affects the decision-making process. And, and one thing that I will um, also tell a woman out there that wants to pursue this kind of, of, of work, of service, is to build up your um, relationship skills. Uh, there is nothing that goes far than a good relationship. Uh, those alliances that I built during Maria, uh, some of them have stayed after that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, ha I have kept the communication. They're so, I mean, these are very special people. Mm -hmm. And honoring those relationships will take you very, very far. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you will build uh, people who will not only you can trust, but also people who can give you their wisdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is key in, in this kind of, of, of work. And I, I don't know, I think that will, those will be, you know, the things that comes to my mind at this moment, at this, at this time. No, those are really key um, words of wisdom. And also from mm -hmm. your experience that um, mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. important for women to understand that, yes, um, this is, you don't have to know everything, but you do have to, you, it is important to seek what you need. Yes. Seek. Yes. And yes. I agree with you, relationships are, are very important. Um, so because of the wisdom that, that sometimes we need we mm -hmm. need from other women and men. Mm -hmm. um, are there any any men that you or characters of males that you have worked with that you would advise women? Because sometimes we can be a little bit siloed in our thinking um, to look for in their partnerships or or relationships in 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 the professional um, aspirations. If you get to find a leader within that within this area of, of religious education that is close uh, to to the institution or that you know there is a way that you can um, reach out to that person um, I think one of the characteristics that that person can give you is uh, the the insight of how men thinks and and how uh, they interpret the power the power struggles the power dynamics because sometimes um and i have to uh, be honest on this sometimes i miss uh, those power struggle even though i can read the intentions and motivations um i misread some of those because I don't have, because I'm a woman, I'm a female, and, and I have my own set of skills that are really good, you know, for, for so many um, 
spaces, uh, if you can reach out to a leader uh, that you can trust and have a, an understanding as a male of what's going on uh, from the inside of the gender that will help you to reinterpret the situation. Okay, so I have this example. Uh, there was a point at the seminary where we have uh, uh, positions of the board that were entrenched and, and we cannot negotiate. And it was related to the future of the seminary and, and the opening of a path that could that we could do an agreement with another institution to share, for example, a bachelor degree. And, and there were some fears in, in from some, some of the stakeholders about this, but I couldn't understand what was going on really. Uh, it's, I, 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 I started making my own assumptions. And then I reached out to, to my former when I was a missionary, uh, uh, Reverend Jose Norad, uh, he was my, my supervisor, my immediate supervisor. And I reached them to him. Uh, he's a, I consider him to be a wise, um, um, an experienced uh, person. And, and we shared this. He gave me a, a different understanding uh, of what was going on. And, and it was a, a fear of losing image as an independent institution, as an institution that can move forward without the other institution, a fear of a takeover from that other institution over the seminary. And, and what caught my attention was the, that he talked about the, um, the tradition of the seminary of, of being this hundred years old school uh, that has been the icon of theological education in Puerto Rico. That, that was not really the, the, that was not the reality at the time, but that was still the understanding. Right. So that helped me, that helped me uh, to reframe my communication with both groups. Okay. See, so we got into a point where we start negotiations to, to bring that path uh, up. And, um, but then I, I, I left the institution, so, so, that was a, a, an interesting experience that I had, that um, this leader as a man, as a male, uh, gave me an understanding that I really, you know, didn't have in my, in my mind at all. Mm -hmm. So that will be one. And second, I think that if you reach out to a person who is the leader that is recognized within the power, stru the power structure, and it is really good to have a backup like that mm -hmm. uh, at different moments and, and situations. So, so I think that um, that's what I what I can what I can say. One more, I have a very good relationship with um, with a person who was one of our donors, and and he would just come by. Uh, this was a, this is a person of age. He was just come by and sit at my house, and and we just talk, you know, about and and we the and I met him after I became the president of the of the seminary, but the transparency, the wisdom, the openness that he had uh, opened that dialogue between us and I trusted him so much. And he will give me advice. He will, he will uh, just tell me, oh, forget about that. That, 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 that will come to this, it, that's nothing. You know, don't, some things that I will um, think that they're very, very, very important and priority, he said, no, that's not important. You need to 
you know, focus on this one. So from his experience in gender, mm -hmm. he will give me the hints of what was important and what was what I needed to focus on. Uh, but also um, uh, he, he was a judge. Also, he will give me legal advice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really appreciated that friendship, you know, while I was at the seminary. And, and I can think of those two uh, as examples of how uh, a leader, a Latina leader, uh, uh, Latinx leader can benefit from having a male leader as, uh, as a companion in the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, I agree with you 100%. I think we need all <laughs> kinds of companions, right? Um, yes. Because this work is very demanding, as we know, to be called the president or of an institution. The, um, you carry a lot of, of the institution on your shoulders, um, even though you have executive leadership that supports you. So. Um, sometimes it's it's good to have objective partners outside of the institution that can um, support you and also give you objective advice um, in your leadership. Um, we're coming to the end of our talk. I just want to give you an opportunity for you to have any last minute um, advice to women and also, you know, to hear about your I'm going to be asking this. What's your superpower? One <laughs> word. What's your superpower? <laughs> okay. Um, well, last words for, for, the, for the women out there. Find peers to accompany you. One thing that I miss, uh, it, it was that because I was a missionary for long before becoming a president, um, I was out of the structure and the environment of the theological, the theological education system of the United States and Puerto Rico, because I was working in Mexico. And, and coming to Puerto Rico, back to Puerto Rico and working as president, uh, I didn't have peers. And then I realized that I was the only Latina uh, guiding a, 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 an ATS seminary, ATS Associated Chemist Seminary. And I, I did have the opportunity to work out some relationship with some president's women of the United States at some point, but it wasn't that uh, extended or deep so that I can open myself up, you know, for certain things. And, and that having a group of persons, at least one or two that can be there um, as trusted companions and as a mentor, as confidence, it's really good for you mental health and in an emotional um stability yes and uh i i i, I didn't have that yes. i have to say that uh right now uh with the with the leadership uh with the latinas in leadership program uh it, it is amazing uh, how how uh hti is managing to provide that peer-related support, that space for the leaders to uh, face each other, to talk with each other, to know that this is a space where you can be trusted and trust. And, and that's, um, Joanne, that's a need because this is being an executive and being in a leadership position, uh, it gets very lonely. And it's very rare. We don't have, we don't have a lot, a lot of women. And like, one of the reasons why we're having this wonderful mm -hmm. conversation today is because so far you're the only one that's been in a presidency role. 
mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. 2022. That's right. That's right. You know? That's right. So, I, so think, I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. There's a huge need. It is a huge need. So I, I will encourage uh, to to uh, my last words, you know, in this, to find peers and 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 move on. You know, have have people that that you can trust, mentors, and, and even just for for uh, sharing some concerns and and um, sacar el votar el golpe decimo votar el golpe chica. That's it. Don't walk this path alone. Thank you. Don't walk this path alone. And your superpower? We don't need to. My superpower. One word. Oh my God. I think it's my 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 alegría. Alegría. My my joyfulness. Amen. I I, I am happy to be alive. And we are mm. too, Doris. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. This has been delightful. We love you. Stay strong. Stay Thank you. And blessings to you. Bendiciones para ti también. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been great to talk. It's been my honor and privilege. This has been an HTI production. For more information, visit us at htiopenplaza.org. The Hispanic Theological Initiative provides Open Plaza as a public service. The views expressed by the guests are their own. Their appearance on this program or any reference to a specific product or entity they represent does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by HTI.